Now, if you've been coming along, you'll know that we've just started a three-week mini-series on uh, worship. Last week, James kicked off with the big picture about worship, and today I'm going to be speaking about individual worship. One of the things that we were created for was to be worshippers. We're made in the image of God, and part of that image of God is to be men and women young people who have the great joy of worshipping him. Do you know that you are never more fulfilled than when you're worshipping God? The whole world is looking for fulfilment. There is no greater fulfilment in any human being when he or she gets the privilege of being able to have a relationship with a living God and to worship him. And God is most thrilled when he sees you and me coming in to a place of worship. For the Christian, worship, therefore, is the most wonderful gift. And it's something that has been restored because it was something that was lost. The Bible tells us, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you're just inquiring, the Bible makes it very clear that we did have, as human beings, a relationship with God. But because man chose to sin, which means he began to want to be like God, he started to worship himself rather than the living God. He sinned. He was cut off from God, and God removed him from his presence. And so, therefore, the concept of worship got distorted because it went from worshipping the living God, the creator, into beginning to worship ourselves or the things that we see tangibly around us. James brilliantly touched on this last week. Everybody worships. Everybody in this planet worships something or someone. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whatever religion you're in, or you're even an atheist, you are a worshipper of something. It's in our DNA, but it's become desperately distorted. I love this reminder of this in this passage in Romans chapter 1. And just listen to these words. I mean, so apt. Verse 20, for his invisible attributes, talking about God, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they, they, that's us people, knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I love that. I have no idea what they are, but it's wonderful. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the the creature rather than the creator. It's amazing how many television programs on the wonders and the miraculous nature of creation, the creator never gets a mention. It's all around us. It's this worship that's gone, that's been distorted. In the Bible, you'll find worshippers of God who are part of the people of Israel. Just stay with me, please, because this is, this is theology, but it's all going to end up very practical. So... In the, New, in the Old Testament, there is this nation called Israel 
and they are the people of God. And so though everybody else is worshipping idols, Israel has a connection with God. They're his people. And David is a king who is a wonderful worshipper. And so he wrote this book called the Psalms, and the Psalms is all about the outpouring of the heart, what we were created to do to worship God. And I'm just going to take you to Psalm 34 and read three verses, form a bit of a backbone of what we're talking about today. I could have gone to almost any psalm, and we could have looked to so many scriptures, but look at this in, in Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And this, just these three verses are packed with instructions about worship. We were singing that wonderful song about blessed be your name. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be. He's dropping the hint that worship is a continuous thing in the midst of all circumstances. The next verse says, my soul makes its burst in the Lord. Worship isn't just singing songs with your lips. It's the whole of your being and your soul involved in worshiping the living God. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. We'll look at those two words, magnify and exalting, in a moment because they're so powerful. And so this morning I want to begin with this. There is an invitation to you this morning to be a worshipper of God. You may have fallen way away from God. I I was brought up in a Christian family, but I didn't know God at all. Uh, Because of sin, we're cut off from God. But in Christ, when Jesus has come into our lives, then that relationship with God as the living God is wonderfully restored. And worship, similar to what David is describing here, can then become part of our experience. Now, you need to understand this. In the Old Covenant, although David and the people of God, they knew God, they were invited to be worshippers of God, the reality is this. Because God was holy and they were not holy, the Old Covenant is all about keeping the people of God away from him. So God symbolically dwelt in this this ark, in this tent, the inner tent, the holy place, And then there was a tent out here and another tent and another tent and priests would come and go on your behalf and the blood of goats and bulls were slaughtered so that there would be a forgiveness and a symbolic covering of sin. And then from that, outside all of that, there were you in the desert and once a year someone on your behalf went into the Holy of Holies. It doesn't really describe to me an intimate relationship with God, but it's the way it had to be because these people had not been made holy. The whole of that situation is just reflecting a symbolic thing that's got to come. So we turn to passages of scripture like Hebrews chapter 9, and it tells us all about this. And it tells us that when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and his blood was shed, something dramatically happened about your relationship with him, which means you no longer have to be in the outer holies or out of the outer holies and you no longer have to have someone, a priest on your behalf, go in, but you get to go in because God has made you to be his child. And so worship becomes intimate and wonderful. 
Hebrews 9 verse 11, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, don't worry about the long words, okay, then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 10 verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. There is a new and a living way through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice. All these other sacrifices of boats and, boats and <laughs> goats and bulls had all been symbolic up to this moment. Now it's the real deal. And it's a once and for all sacrifice and he doesn't need to make it again and you don't have to sacrifice and you don't have to make yourself good enough to come to him. You come through the blood of Jesus. You are cleansed. You are made right. There is access. So this is the invitation which I have and you have but I think I just don't use this invitation in the way God has intended. I often neglect it. The invitation is to be a worshipper of Jesus, a worshipper of your heavenly Father by the power of the Holy Spirit, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. There is no barrier, there is nothing that prevents you being in God's presence and worshipping him from now for the rest of your life. Your life can be continual worship from now until the day you die, and the moment you die, you just go into more worship for eternity. But the invitation is to us. Listen, you've got to grasp this. As a child of God, through the blood of Jesus in the new covenant, I can worship anytime, in any place, and I don't need anyone else to go in on my behalf anymore. This is amazing. Buildings are not sacred. Sundays are not reserved and sacred for you. Uh, Feeling good about yourself is not the issue. Being in a crowd, being on your own, driving the car, being on the way to work, being at work, being in college, being at home with the kids. Nothing needs to separate you from relationship with God and being a worshipper of God. Jesus sat down with a woman at a well And he comes out with loads of words of knowledge about her and tells her everything about herself. And they get into this theological discussion about worship. John 4, verse 21. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, which is where she worshipped, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. It's not about buildings, it's not about mountains, it's not about places. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking, invitation, 
such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship must worship spirit and in truth. No mountains, no buildings, no holy places, just you, through Jesus, access to God's presence into the holy of holies without fear, without carrying away. This building's got pillars in it. Without hiding behind pillars, without being sitting on the back row thinking, well, I'll just stay here and hide. You don't need to. You can run with confidence and boldness into the throne of God and fall down and lift your hands and worship him because he's made the way for you to do this. This mini-series of three weeks is exactly in the right order. Last week, big explanation of what worship is and why it's so important. This week is about you and me as individuals. Next week is about how we worship together corporately. And I'm so grateful it's this way round. Why, I hear you ask. Here's the answer. Just bear with me because it might come out a bit long-winded. It's not supposed to. The corporate expression of worship is never further than the individual's expression of worship that makes up the corporate. Whatever you hear next week doesn't work unless you are a worshipper of God. 24 hours, 7. So often we come and think, I want to be a worshipper. I'll learn the techniques of worship. All lot of people raise their hands. Maybe I'll do that. They sing, they clap, they dance. Well, they don't anymore. They used to. But they just kind of look around and see things that are going on. The reality is this. You only worship corporately because you're always worshipping Jesus in your own life. You can never go beyond the corporate. If we have worship times like we did this morning as we came together that was corporate worship, it's because the individuals that made up this meeting this morning are already coming as worshippers before the throne of God. This is why sometimes for some of us, Sunday mornings, when we worship, or maybe in our small groups or when we gather together, it's actually a bit of a painful experience, if we're really honest. And do you know why it's painful? Because... You come into a room and you're being asked or encouraged to do something that you haven't been doing all week. It's foreign to you rather than the norm. And this is why some of us, we come into into meetings and and it's a struggle and and it's quite difficult. Well, of course it is because you're now doing something you haven't done the rest of the week. If all your worship is, what was it, 40 minutes this morning, Joe? 40 minutes of what? 40 minutes out of the entire week every week of your life. Worship doesn't become a lifestyle. It doesn't become something you do all the time. It's just this odd thing that you do from time to time. The other thing that's annoying about corporate worship is everyone around you seems to be much happier than you. Have you noticed that? <laughs> when you come in, you're standing, oh, why is everybody so blooming happy and rejoicing and praising and worshipping God? And we judge people because of that. You don't know what's going on on the inside of those people who appear to be happy. You don't know that they might have had the most difficult week of their lives. But the reason they're rejoicing is they've been worshippers all week. They've been involving God all week. They've been in the presence of God all week. They've been in relationship with him. 
Another reason why corporate worship is really difficult is because of consumerism. That's what we live in today. What did I get out of the worship is an irrelevant question. And if you've been worshipping God all week, you realise that when you come to worship God corporately as an individual worshipper, it's not about what you get out of the meeting, it's what you put into the meeting. If you haven't been worshipping God all week, you haven't got anything to give. And so I want to really, really encourage us to grasp this. We're going to get to corporate worship. I actually love corporate worship. I love to be biblical in my corporate worship. I love to just be in the atmosphere, the presence of God with my brothers and sisters. But it's going to be a painful experience for me and a foreign experience for me and a rather annoying experience for me if everybody else is experiencing something that I haven't been experiencing. I hope that helps you. This is why I want to motivate you this morning to be somebody who says, I'm going to respond to this invitation and I'm going to be a real worshipper of God. And sometimes you don't feel like it, but you do it anyway, because God is worthy of all our praise and all our worship. You know that Joe was absolutely right. He said at one point, I'm not sure if this is what I'm saying, and I'm sitting there thinking, I know this is absolutely right. He's saying exactly the same thing. He's saying the corporate, when we gather together, he said, something happens in our own. He even used phrases like, when you're in your home, in your bedroom, or when you're at home, and then you come to the corporate. See, evangelism in this church will never be further along than the individuals who evangelize. The prayer life of this church, please come to the prayer week, but some of you won't come because you don't pray. And some of us will struggle with the prayer week because in reality, we think that's going to do something for us. What will I get out of the prayer week? Whereas the reality is, the prayer week of this church is no further along than the individual prayer lives that make this. And worship is exactly the same. Let me give you, is it, are you all still with me? I'm, I'm feeling very rabbinic, so I'm just, I'm feeling very fatherly. I'm, I know I'm sitting, but I'm feeling <laughs> very grandfatherly. Um, in 2009, for six months, I had chronic fatigue. Um, so I couldn't work couldn't come to meetings, couldn't function. I, um, I, uh, I, I just couldn't do much physically. I could kind of walk around the block and then I would be exhausted. And six months was a long period of time and then I made steady recovery, hallelujah, after that. And I had great help and wonderful people and I found it really hard to pray and I found it really hard to read the Bible and I found it really hard to to just connect with brothers and sisters and didn't want much to do with people. It was just tough. The one thing, so I get out of bed, I could do that, (laughs) clean my teeth, could do that, but when I got into my little office, my little study at home, the one thing I could do was worship. And it was the only thing I could do. And so I started to worship. And I, I really, really enjoyed the presence of God. And so after, and I'm not saying this because I'm special or spiritual, but it was just the only thing I could do. So I just worship. I would sing, I would speak in tongues, I would sing out scriptures and what have you. And then it came to an end and I thought, right, that's over. I'm like, I need to get on and do something else now. The problem was I couldn't get on and do something else. And I felt God say, stay worshipping. So my days were days spent just worshipping God. And in the midst of this, a friend of mine from Zimbabwe who knew I was not well had a vision 
and she wrote this vision down and she sent it to me. And she said, I saw a picture of you and you were in a theatre and you had a, a top hat and tails on and a, and a cane like Fred Astaire. I thought, I really like where this is going. This is really good. And I was dancing and I was doing a little kind of number and I was, my face was up, composed, and the lights were on me. She said, the only problem was there wasn't anyone in the theatre and no one was looking at you. I thought, well, this is great. She said, this is what I feel God's saying to you. The days of performing before people to get their applause and their accolades are coming to an end. And you need to learn to perform to an audience of one. And do you know, it described what I was going through so much that I totally, it was so helpful. When God speaks like this, it's so helpful. It changed me. I said, Lord, and I realized as I started to pray into this word and this thing that I was now doing, that I had neglected worship. That worship in my life had been something tacked on the end. I recognized that I was busy, too busy to worship. That I had lots of time to do lots of other things. But do you know what? I thought worship was a bit of a thing to get over with and it was a bit of a time waster. The thing about individual worship is this, no one else gets to see it. So it's not actually very attractive. Here I am with my top hat and tails before the Lord and no one's saying anything. The reason we jump to corporate worship and avoid individual worship is because individual worship is so hidden, no one knows that you're even doing it. So you short-circuit it, hoping you'll get to something else that will be a blessing to you. And I really thank God for that time in my life. It was like God pressed the pause button and said, can we have a conversation? You've got this all wrong. If you don't, if you don't do anything else in your life, never get any accolades from anyone, it's worth it because you are called to an audience of one and to be a worshipper. You are an individual worshipper. Now I then got better. And I can't tell you what a struggle it was to keep worship at the centre of my life. The laptop, the iPhone, people, administration, conversations, travel, all start to rob you of this wonderful, precious invitation that's beyond feelings, that's beyond circumstances. What crowds out worship for you? What's the thing that stops you in your busy... I'm looking at you. I know you're, everyone here in this room is one level or another massively busy. What, what robs you of making worship the priority? Is it busyness? Is it the children? You don't have any space. Is it you're in a circumstance right now that you don't like? So you're feeling a bit sorry for yourself. Is it because it's hidden? Is it because I don't feel like it, so therefore I don't do it? Why don't we worship God? This is where I want to land this word this morning. I think the primary reason we don't worship God is because it's not a priority. Everybody has time for what is a priority in your life. The moment worship becomes a priority, you have time for it. So what I want to do, to make this really practical, is try and motivate you. 
as to why worship, this wonderful gift, this fantastic access, is something that we should embrace with all the difficulties in life and make it at the centre of our lives rather than the edge, rather than the occasional little bit here and there, right at the heart. Well, the first reason is this. We're going to have 11 of them. I'm going to get through 11 of them in 10 minutes. Number one, worship magnifies the Lord. Let's go back to Psalm 34 and verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The first thing that worship does as an individual worshipper is that you make the whole experience not about you but about him. Magnify the Lord. The word magnify means to enlarge or make bigger in perspective. Now bear with me, this is not, I'm just never a scientist at school, so just, just stay with me. When we magnify a small object, maybe with a, a microscope or a telescope or a magnifying glass, we do not change the reality of the thing that we are looking at. We don't make the object any bigger, but we do change our perspective of it. Now, this is worship. We can't make God bigger than he already is. You cannot increase omnipotence. But you can magnify your perspective of God. So bear with me. When, therefore, you don't worship, when you don't magnify the Lord, we are in danger of diminishing our perspective of God and, guess what, magnifying something else in the room, like you, or your problems, or your circumstances, or magnifying even the devil. It's why when I don't worship, and I think this was my problem before I had my chronic fatigue session, when you don't worship, you get overwhelmed with life because everything else seems to be bigger than God. You always magnify something. The moment you start to magnify the Lord with me, the perspective of God changes dramatically, and guess what? Everything else gets changed as well. So magnify, worship, glorify, exalt, whatever word you want, often, daily, throughout the day, in the morning, when you're on your own, when you're with your brothers and sisters. Number two, worship changes the focus. If we do not worship, or worship only a little, the focus of your life stays on you. And I think worship is humbling. Literally, you know, some verses say kneel, bow down. I think worship is humbling because it's like saying the focus of my life is not going to be me. The dependence of my life is not my independence, my, my dependency upon God. And so every time we worship, the focus is taken off the world and me and my family and it's put onto God. And worship is wonderful because it changes the focus of your life. Number three, worship is when we experience the presence of God. The Bible says the veil was torn in two. Have you ever, re- ever thought that that means not only do I have access into God's presence, 
that he now has access to come to me. It's a two-way thing. There's no veil. There's no barrier. So every time I worship, this is wonderful, the presence of God is there. Now, the presence of God isn't a feeling. I can worship God and not feel anything, but by faith, I know that I'm experiencing the very presence of God. And so worship magnifies the Lord, worship changes our focus, and worship floods you. It has the potential to flood you with the presence of God. Don't wait for Sunday mornings. Why wait six days? Honestly, if you go out of this meeting today and you felt, I felt God's presence this morning, well, you can feel God's presence this afternoon and even on Monday morning and for the rest of your week. Because God's with you. And if you keep worshipping him, you'll know more and more of his presence. Give time to bask in God's presence. Continually practice the presence of God throughout the day. I just think it's a decision. I think you can do this in your car if you want to. I spent hours in my car and I spent hours worshipping the Lord. Not because I'm a special person, but because it's a moment to do that. I've had many embarrassing experiences when I've come up to the red lights and there have been car one side of me and car the other side of me, and I'm worshipping the Lord. And I'm just worshipping, my hands are going like this, I'm singing, I'm praising, I'm worshipping God. I remember one occasion, I saw two big beefy guys just staring at me like this. And I remember pretending I was listening to a song, and I kind of went like that more than I was. Wherever you are, and whatever you're doing, and whoever you're with, you've got this access to the presence of God. You can be a worshipper of God. You worship, you don't, if you've got, there's loads of us have got families here with small children. It's really hard to get space to go and worship. You've got to learn to worship with them and in the midst of them. But if you can, just from time to time, carve out a bit of time as well. Go for a walk, go for a jog. Do something, just spending time with the Lord. On the way to work, during work, it works. Number four, worship floods us with hope we've got to learn to worship in the midst of our circumstances rather waiting for our circumstances to change and then we'll worship God how many times in the Bible does it say rejoice in the Lord always some of us today just don't feel like rejoicing in the Lord because we've got really bad circumstances there's people here going through genuine trials and difficulties let me just say to you 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 can worship God in the midst this backache has been a frustrating thing for me for three months and it's only very little relief the reality is this that I'm just having to learn to keep worshipping God backache or no backache if I was to wait till I all got healed as I will obviously And then I worship the Lord. There are things I haven't learned. There are things I haven't experienced. There are things that I've lost. I I don't think I'm doing very well, actually, in it. I have good days and lots of good days. I have moments when I I worship the Lord and feel good about myself because I'm doing it and my back still aches. Very warped way of thinking. Then I'll have days where it just won't happen and I just feel sorry for myself. And I forget to centrally worship Jesus. It's not easy. 
to be a worshipper all the time in everything. But the invitation is there. The access is there. There are no barriers. And how foolish I am not to do it when the result is I magnify the Lord, I change the focus, and I experience his presence. I preached a word on hope a few months ago. I felt God saying, so come on then, let's see how this really works. Have I got hope in the midst of difficulties? Very quickly, worship, number five, reminds us of truth. Jesus said to the woman at the well, worship in spirit. By the way, you can't worship in your own strength. You can only worship in the spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to help you worship. You need to come on the Holy Spirit course in a few weeks' time. And worship reminds you of truth. You sing songs of truth. When you worship, you're reminded of the promises of God. And the truth sets you free. Worship is wonderful because it reminds you of truth. Number six, worship causes faith to rise. Every time you begin to worship God, faith which was dormant, begins to rise. And you find as you're worshipping God, you're starting to believe him for wonderful things. Number six, worship, uh, that was six. Number seven, worship lifts burdens. It's amazing, I don't totally understand it, but the moment you worship the Lord, it's like those burdens that you carry, that you're not supposed to carry, get lifted off you and onto him. Because his shoulders are bigger than yours. And he longs when you worship him to give your burdens to him. And I find that when I'm worshiping God, my anxiety, my stress, my depression, the things that make me low just somehow get lifted because my focus and perspective is changing. Number eight, worship unclutters your life. Life gets very cluttered. I find the moment you start worshiping as a lifestyle, it just uncomplicates everything. I sometimes come into worship with lots of complexities and find at the end of worshipping God, they're not that much of a problem after all. It's kind of like they all got lined up and all got put back in place. It then clutters your life. Number nine, worship gives solutions. When you're wondering and seeking God and, and, and you're perplexed and you don't understand things, again, wonderful gift of worship is that Answers are given while you're worshipping. I can't tell you the amount of times I've not known something, I've worshipped, and by the end of worship, I just seem to know. I've got to phone that guy, I've got to talk to that person. I didn't ask for it, it just, during worship, I just got the answers to things. Number 10 is this, worship brings fresh energy, vitality. Anybody here like some fresh energy in their life? Like a bit more vitality, a bit more strength? Worship. Worship refreshes you. Worship restores you. Worship heals you. That's why the Bible says, worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your body. The word healing and worship almost are parallel. Did you know that as you worship, God has the ability to strengthen you, to pour his spirit out upon you, to pour energy and vitality into your life? So the next time you reach for the tablets, think about worship. Doesn't the Bible say those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength? Invitation, number 11. And finally, worship affects those people around you. I've let, everything else has been very individualistic, but you know, if you become a worshiper of God, it becomes infectious. You impart something to those around. Joy, the presence of God, peace. If you're a worshipper, Dad, 
That's going to set the atmosphere of your home. Everyone's going to start worshipping. If you're not, they won't. Mum, worship. Your children will be affected by your worship. I mean, if you've not got a very good singing voice, just do it quietly, but the reality is it affects people. This church, this family, the body of Christ, if you on this journey this morning would say, yes, I want to be an individual worshipper, it overflows into the corporate because of what you've been doing 24-7. It flows out of that. Some of you think, I never have gifts of the Spirit. Do you know why? Because it's not about, have I got a gift today? It's about worshipping Jesus. I hardly ever know I've got a gift of spirit. I just worship him. And while I'm worshipping him, he gives me things that can then be imparted to others. Brothers and sisters, the invitation is this. Worship makes you magnify the Lord. It changes your focus. It, It makes you experience the presence of God. It floods you with hope. Reminds you of truth. It causes faith to rise. It lifts your burdens. It unclutters your life. It gives solutions to problems and questions. It brings fresh energy and vitality in your life. It affects people around you. Why on earth would anyone not want to make this the centre of their life? Let's pray together. Will you make worship the centre of your life? Will you abuse this wonderful gift and neglect this wonderful opportunity to make worship at the heart of your life? Would you respond this morning and say, Lord, from now on, I want to be an individual worshipper before I'm a corporate worshipper. Next time we gather corporately, why don't you take a journey day by day to begin to worship him? Let's stand together.